we thank you for tonight, for this space, this moment in time together. To lift your name, bring you praise. It's all for your glory, God. It's all for you. We love you. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name. We say together, amen. get started in just a minute so you make your way to your seat we'll get started
Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Those of you that were uh, down the hall for the classes, we're glad that you were able to be here for that, making your way in. And uh, remember, we always uh, offer our coffee fellowship, coffee and breakfast fellowship at 945. And so if you're here early for one of our classes or uh, groups, then you can grab some of that on your way in or if you get here a little before service, please uh, always avail yourself for that. There's always a little something to eat and some some good coffee uh, to help you. Uh, sometimes we have those Sundays where it's like the two the two cups of coffee Sunday, right? And so that's okay. But um, you know, it, it is really good to gather in this place, and uh, we praise the Lord uh, for uh, His goodness and His graciousness to us, His generosity which is our theme this morning, how good and generous God is. And we recently, of course, just celebrated Thanksgiving, and we had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving Eve service here, uh, and uh, we're able to share testimonies about how good and generous our God has been uh, to all of us. Uh, and then as we quickly are approaching Christmas and have certainly entered our Christmas season, we are also reminded of how good and generous our God is as we think about giving and receiving of gifts. But as our call to worship this morning, uh, I'd like to read from Psalm 105. And so let these words that I read to you uh, from this psalm be our, um, our call from the Lord to worship him. And so I trust that this being the first day of the brand new week and here in the morning that it's a way to, to begin our week uh, in a good way, to begin our week aright and worshiping the Lord together. And as it's a way to, to, um, to help promote worship in our hearts and on our lips and that uh, as the Spirit carries us through this next week, whatever he may have for us, that we would be worshipers of him. So here's what it says from Psalm 105, the word of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him and sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord Rejoice, seek the Lord and his strength, and seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done and all his wondrous miracles. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wondrous works in our lives. Thank you for your wondrous works and who you are to us. We thank you for your miracles that surround us. We thank you for how good and generous you are. And these are the things, Lord, that move us and motivate us to worship you. For you are worthy of all of our praise, and you are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of all of the, the words that we will sing now and so much more. And so, Father, your word uh, motivates us and calls us to praise you, to give thanks. 
because of your wondrous deeds and works in our lives. So it says that we are to sing and sing praises to you. So that's what we're going to do now, Father, as we lift our voices and join our hearts as one, giving thanks. May we do so through your Spirit who leads us with hearts of gratitude and hearts of thanksgiving for your goodness and your generosity. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So church, why don't we stand together and worship the Lord.
lost my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bowed and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the ancient seal by heavy stone Messiah still and all
give him praise. It's good to give him praise. Amen. Why don't you say good morning to somebody standing next to you? Say good morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. As we make our way uh, back to our seats, so good to see all of you. It's <clears throat> great. We are are especially grateful for uh, <clears throat> those who um, give and serve and are generous with our time to work with our young ones down the hall, and so we pray that they would. Uh, just have a blessed time as well, a time of worship, and um, they're going to be doing something special for Christmas this morning. Uh, and uh, so before we get started, just want to make a, a few quick announcements. Make sure that you received one of these. If not, um, you just raise your hand. These are the cards that we give out every Sunday in relation to our uh, sermon series on Discipleship Pathway. And so if you need one, uh, Kim has some there. It'd be good to have. These are important to have, not only for the message as a reference, but you can take notes on the back, uh, and uh, they're good to keep, to keep in your Bible as a good reminder. Uh, and uh, the, this information and more is also on our website, and so make sure you continue to check that as we go through our series, uh, trinityallenwood.com. We also have notebooks and pens out there on the Connection Center, and so if you're inclined uh, to take notes during the messages, 
especially during this series, but then at any point, please avail yourself of those. Uh, they're, they're on the Connection Center. Uh, and so we have plenty of those notebooks and pens for you to use. Uh, I do want to thank everybody that showed up yesterday to help us decorate the church. I hope you um, and just appreciate that and are enjoying that. It looks great, right? Doesn't it? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> yeah, and so uh, it's, uh, it's always uh, something special to kind of get into that, uh, that mindset of Christmas time and uh, what we are anticipating. Uh, and of course, we do have our Christmas Eve service. That, yes, of course, on the 24th, but uh, because Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, we will not be having a Sunday morning service, so our gathering uh, to worship the Lord that weekend will be the Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service, okay, which begins at 7 p.m., and so just to, to mark in your calendars that there will not be a Sunday morning service, that our, our service that weekend will be the Saturday evening uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's a special time, and and we usually have more music and uh, a focus on uh, something regarding, of course, the birth of our Savior. And uh, it's a wonderful and special time, and so it's also a very good opportunity to invite family and friends uh, that may just get out to church a couple times a year on those special uh, those special days. And so uh, it's a good opportunity to begin. Uh, uh, praying about who you might want to invite for our Christmas Eve service. Please remember that this coming Friday, uh, December 9th, is the open house uh, at uh, our house, uh, the Wittels. We live in Brick, and we'll uh, be sending out an email with our address And uh, for those that haven't been there before. But that's this Friday the 9th from 6 to 10 p.m. So please, if you have uh, any time during that, uh, that time period from 6 to 10, please come by an open house. There'll just be some light refreshments and some food and just a great time of fellowship and just um, enjoying uh, the Christmas time and the Christmas season together as a church family. But also, please feel free to invite friends uh, and uh, family members to that as well. So that is this coming Friday uh, at uh, the Wittels at our house um, from 6 to 10 p.m. All right. Uh, and uh, there are two more messages after today in our Discipleship Pathway series. And then, of course, we will have our Christmas Eve service. And so that will uh, take us to the end of the year. So we have a, a couple more in, in this series. Hopefully you've been uh, enjoying it. It's been edifying to, uh, to you. And I've uh, been learning more about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And remember, this is a tool that we uh, have um, uh, introduced to the church as our Discipleship Pathway initiative to help us stay on track in what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And so this is a tool that we've introduced through this series that we will continue to use in all of our uh, written materials and online content as well to help us going forward, to help each other uh, stay um, stay as uh, followers of Jesus Christ in all of those uh, different important areas that we have been touching upon. And uh, so I do believe that it will become an important part of our DNA and the culture here at Trinity. Uh, and so please make sure that you, you take the cards that we give out every week and we have the Discipleship Pathway uh, brochure that shows the actual pathway and the explanation. And uh, all of this information is on our website as well. So you continue to, to use that as you progress in your growth as a follower of Jesus. Um, and uh, so, in anyway, we, we are finishing up in just a couple of weeks in this sermon series, but then after the new year, we'll go back to our study as we were looking at First and Second Peter, 
And so uh, in January, we'll begin a study of Second Peter. And so if you'd like to read ahead, if you haven't read that book before, or if it's been a while, I would encourage you to do so, but we will begin that um, in the new year, looking at the book of Second Peter. Uh, before we um, uh, open God's word for this morning and talk about learning how to be generous, which is our uh, subject matter for today, I would like to pray. Uh, many of us are not feeling well. You can probably hear it in my voice. Um, just many of us just kind of been sick or getting over it. And uh, but we've also had uh, just some people in our church family that have experienced loss. Uh, we have, and uh, some people that. Um, you know, they've just expressed to me uh, just that sorrow of losing loved ones. And so we want to be sensitive to that. And just remember that, you know, if, if you noticed, you know, like when we pray, and we have prayer requests, so many of them are for people that are sick or ill, or whether it's chronic disease, or it's just something that is going around, but hitting them hard. And so um, I just, I want to, I want to pray just to pray for us. You can pray along with me and, and let's continue to keep each other in prayer, those that we know that especially are not feeling well, that are suffering with physical illness. Um, and it's just a good reminder to just be signed up for our prayer email because you will hear about these things so you can pray continually uh, for people that are in need of, of prayer for healing, for physical healing. But let me just pray for us now. Father, um, we are grateful for the health that you do give us. Um, we are here this morning in this place, and there are people um, spread all around that have joined us online, and we're grateful for them, uh, some of them home because they're not feeling well, or others because they're traveling. But Lord, we know that uh, you have given us these bodies, these earthen vessels, to, um, to praise you with and to care for. But Lord, uh, as you know full well, we live in a broken world that is broken because of sin, but yet because of that, uh, our health sometimes um, fails us and we become ill and sick and are in need of your healing hand. And Father, your word so often tells us that we can pray, that we are to call on each other, brothers and sisters in the Lord, to pray for one another for physical healing and restoration. God, many of us are in need of that this morning. And Lord, each one of us knows somebody, whether it's here in this place or it's at home or a close family member, Lord, that needs your healing touch. You are the great physician, and we do trust and know in your almighty power and strength that you can heal in the blink of an eye. But Lord, we pray for each one that is on our hearts, each one individually, that until you bring that full healing that we pray for, that you would be merciful and that you would relieve people of their symptoms, of their pain, of their discomfort. And God, especially in those most difficult of times, we cry out to you, just as the, the psalmist did and King David did so often, just praying, God, for your mercy and for your compassion. We lay ourselves down at your feet, at the foot of the cross, and we just say, Lord, have mercy on us. Be compassionate. 
No, Father God, just like the Apostle Paul, that our desire is that we may praise you all the more and have all the strength that we desire to serve and to honor you. But God, even in our illnesses, and especially during times of loss, loss of loved ones from significant illness, that we can just come before you as Abba Father, our Heavenly Father, to to just crawl up on your lap and say, Father, we need you, we need comfort, and we need healing. And so, Lord, we pray for these things, and we do so um, expecting your um, hand of healing, however you uh, decide to do that. But we trust you and your ability to do that, and we pray, Father, uh, as, um, as your children, that you would continue to uh, sustain us. And we thank you for your promises to do just that. And we thank you that you have made those promises um, through your son, Jesus. And so it's in his name that we pray through the, the leading of your spirit, but ultimately, Lord, so that you would get the glory. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Let's continue to pray for one another church, not only in times of illness and of loss, but in all things, in all things. So, church, let's talk about money. How's that for a segue? I was thinking, I was like, how can I make this transition from praying for healing and then talk about our um, topic for this morning? I figured, you know what, let's just get right into it. You know, it's probably the pastor's favorite topic, right, to talk about money. Man, we're going to talk about money and getting people to give, you know, and there's this old story, the preacher that got up and said he wanted everybody to stand in his congregation, and he said, now, what I want you to do is I want you to, uh, to just reach over and just take the wallet of the person next to you and hold it up, and then I want you to give like you've never given before, Right? It's so easy to to give and be generous with other people's stuff. Boy, but what a reminder that all of our stuff, all that we have, including, of course, our finances, our money, it all comes from God, and it is all his anyway. Not only to begin with, but it's always his. And so as we talked last week about serving and using our gifts, we are reminded that um, we are simply stewards, which means a manager. We are a manager or a steward of what God has given us. We don't own it. It all belongs to him. And so we are to use it to bless him. And the way we do that often is by blessing other people. But, you know, we talk about giving, and it's an important part of being a disciple, and that's why it's one of our 12 steps are the stepping stones of being uh, a disciple and being on the pathway of being a disciple, always learning and growing and wanting to serve. But what we do, excuse me, what we do with all that we have, including our money, is important. And it's an important part of growing in our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus talked a lot about money. It's often been said that he talked more about money than any other topic. I'm not so sure about that. I believe that probably the thing he talked about most was the kingdom of God. But of course they are related because when Jesus talked about the kingdom, 
And he talked about the kingdom that is to come, that when he comes to bring his kingdom, there would be that perfect peace and justice and people will be generous like never before. But he did talk about money a lot because the way that we use our resources is to be, in a sense, kingdom-minded in that what the kingdom will look like in the future, we should emulate and exemplify now. That makes sense, right? Not waiting until he returns, but as his representatives, we are to represent him well and what his future kingdom will hold, but to do that here and now. So yes, Jesus did talk about money a lot, but it seems most often, especially in many of his parables, he talked about money and finances as an illustration to make some other point. But why would he use money as an illustration so very often? I think part of it is because it's something we all have in common. It's something that we can all relate to. It's something that we are all concerned about and that we have some understanding of. It's also something we think about a lot, isn't it? Whether it's what we have or the lack thereof. It's sort of a common bond among all people. And so Jesus knew this and would use money a lot as an illustration or an example to teach a lesson. Now, of course, money is something that we think a lot about all the time, but perhaps especially these days, as there's so much talk about the state of our economy, about inflation, about the price of food and gas. I mean, how many of you have been just food shopping recently and you check out and you're just like, that? is that number right? Is that possible? I mean, did you put in my, my coupons and did you put in my, you know, my, my shopper code and all that? And then still, that's the number. People have been talking about the increased cost of uh, heating fuel and natural gas for this season and what that's going to look like for our monthly bills. And of course, included in all that is concern about job security and this word recession that's getting thrown around a lot for the beginning of next year. Some of you perhaps have been talking about money in terms of the use of cash and uh, a digital currency, which seems more and more prevalent and on the horizon and it's funny, I, I went somewhere last night and they made a point to say that we don't, we no longer take cash, it's just all cards, you know, and, and uh, it's interesting, like in all different ways, money is a big part of our life and our everyday uh, living. And much of our concern about money has to do with, if you think about it, the future, not just how much we have now or in general all of our resources, but what is it going to look like in the future? And Jesus knew that we would worry about the future. And so he often talked about money. But see, there's a very important teaching of Jesus and of all of Scripture, Old and New Testament, that of course is related to money and our finances, but it's much more important. And this is where I want our focus to be this morning. See, God's heart regarding our resources goes much further and much deeper than just money. God talks so often about generosity. 
And so the point of being a disciple in this area that we talk about this morning is not learning how to give away our money, but it's bigger than that, and it's more important than just that. It's about learning how to be generous. Because as you open the pages of Scripture, you will see very quickly that God expects his followers to be generous people because he is a generous God. When the Scriptures talk about giving, it tells us to be generous. I mean, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, so it's all about giving thanks, but that word giving is in there, that we are to give especially our thanks to God. But we are to be people that give. God blesses us so we can bless other people. See that? It's important we kind of see ourselves as more of like a conduit rather than just the the, the possessor or the owner of something. But as a steward, we are given something we don't own so that we can manage it and then bless others and give it away. See? So it goes well beyond just our finances because disciples of Jesus are to learn to be generous givers in all things. So yes, Jesus speaks about the matters of money and wealth and possessions and property in terms of our discipleship, and he instructs his followers, therefore, in all things to be generous because generosity is a characteristic of the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is to come, but the kingdom that we are to represent and emulate now until he does bring it to this earth. Generosity in all things comes from a heart that knows and lives with love because love gives. Giving is a part of the very nature of love. That is just, in essence, what love does. It gives. This is why God is so giving, because God is love. Amen? And as we follow Christ Jesus in discipleship, we also must learn to give and to give generously of all things from a heart of love, to be givers just like God. And this is not a small thing. Jesus often talked about wealth and property and our possessions, but he said generosity, and this is important, being generous is how we guard our hearts from the trappings of those things in our life. Of all of the trappings that things like wealth and property and possessions can create, Being generous is how we avoid those trappings. Growing in generosity is is vital to a proper understanding of what I mentioned before of stewardship, that it simply reminds us that we are mere managers of what belongs to God, not owners, because God is the owner of everything. So therefore, we can give freely in all things because God gives us all things. And yes, that includes our money. Generous giving, even specifically to the local church, Scripture teaches us should be regular and intentional and cheerful and based on our faith 
in God's generosity towards us. There's a story of a mom who gave her young son a dollar bill, back when they still used cash, right? A dollar bill and a quarter and said, now when you go to church, I want you to give one of those to the church and keep the other one for yourself. And so the young boy was concerned about it, praying about it, and he came home from church and and the mom said, so what did you do and what did you give? And the young boy said, well, at first I was going to give the dollar and then keep the quarter, but then I remembered the, the pastor said that um, God loves a cheerful giver, so I decided to keep the dollar and give the quarter because it made me happier, see? And so it all, I guess, is in how you look at it, but we are called to be generous, and the Lord does love a cheerful giver because we are to give it with a cheerful heart. And We'll look at some passages that help to support that. So remembering that Everything belongs to God anyway. I'm going to read some scripture. They won't be up on the screen for you, not all of them. But um, So I encourage you to turn in your Bibles. Uh, you can use the Bible app on your phone. But we're going to start with 1 Timothy chapter 6. And there'll be a few that I'm going to ask you to turn to this morning in our time remaining together. And by the way, as we read this first passage in 1 Timothy 6, it's verses 17 through 19. So 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. I want to remind you something if you don't realize this already, but do you know that you are rich? And I know we see the signs for the lottery on the side of the road, and we always look, right? Don't you at least once a week, wait, what is it up to right now? You know, we dream of that being rich. But you know what the Bible says? That we are rich. We are rich, yes, even comparatively speaking to the rest of the people, to most of the people in this country and especially around the world, but not just financially, but, but, but we are rich because of Jesus Christ. We are richly blessed. And should we always consider that? Because again, being generous and being givers of all that we have goes way beyond just our money, although that is important. So we are rich, and I think that's an important first step in learning how to be generous as followers of Jesus, realizing our starting point that God, through Christ, has made us very wealthy. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, it says, as for the rich in this present age, and I think that would include all of us here, Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. See, so it matters where we place our trust. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Did you catch that? Richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so, yes, we are to be cheerful givers, and so giving is more blessed than receiving. They are to do good, to be rich in good works. See, it's about serving other people. To be generous and ready to share. Paul is saying the same thing in many different ways. He's making a point to young Timothy, the young pastor, saying this is how you have to be and then help your people to be the same. Verse 19, thus 
storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So what truly is an important part of life? Truly life, he says, it is about understanding the nature of our wealth, our true wealth, and then enjoying being generous with it. He says multiple times we are rich. God richly provides for us. We are to be rich in good works. Do you see that? Rich also meaning generous, being generous with all that we have. And it's not just about money and and resources, but how about this? Are we generous with our time? Are we generous with our hospitality? You know, we recently talked about the spiritual gifts and then how we are to serve others about the gifts we have been given by the Spirit as believers in Christ uh, is to bless other people. Are we being generous in those giftings, in the way that we use them, if they are designed and given to us to bless other people? Are we being generous with all of our resources? Are we being generous in our relationships? How are we doing with the amount of time that we give to other people? The way that we pray, are we being generous in our prayers? Are we being generous in the way that we reach out to others and say, I'm sorry to hear of your loss, or congratulations on the new grandbaby, or praise the Lord for that new job? Are we being generous with our time? Are we being generous with our hearts, or being generous with other people. Because generosity truly is a heart issue. Would you also turn with me to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Listen to this teaching. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. We are told here, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So truly, Generosity, church, is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And so we are told not to, not to lay up treasures for ourselves, not to accumulate all of this wealth just here on earth where they could easily be destroyed and that we can't take with us anyway. But we are to be heavenly minded. As I said earlier, Jesus talking so often about the kingdom about his kingdom, let us give focus and attention with all that we have to what we are investing in in the future. Because we are invest more, to invest more than just our money, but to invest our time, to invest uh, our gifts, to invest our generosity, to invest uh, in our relationships, to invest in other people, to invest in other people. Because all the riches and wealth of this life will not last forever, but people will. And God in his word 
will. And so where is our true treasure, right? It's often been said that if you were to look at your checkbook, if you go to your online statement and see where you're spending, you can get an idea of what your priorities are, right? And so if you see a lot of charges there for McDonald's and Wendy's and all of the, where's your priorities? I mean, I just hear about these things. It's not like a personal thing. It's just not like, you know, conviction or anything. It's just, you know. I just, as an illustration, so. But we are really to trust in God the giver and not even the gifts. Even though we're supposed to be thankful for the gifts and be generous and blessing others with the gifts, but how about we trust, because it's a matter of heart issue, it's a matter of trust in the giver and not just the gift. Money should be our servant, and we should not be servants of our money. I want to read to you uh, the story of Barnabas and how it contrasts in Scripture to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Can you turn in Acts chapter 4? It'll be the last passage I'll ask you to turn to. Acts chapter 4, and then running into the beginning of Acts chapter 5. So the book of Acts... That's in your New Testament, Acts uh, chapter 4. We're going to look at the last verses of that. So Acts 4, 32 to 37. And then I'm going to continue on to Acts chapter 5, the first six verses. So we're going to start with Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. The story of the early church, their generosity with each other. And a short little description about this man, named Barnabas, and then you'll see as it also talks about a story of Ananias and his wife, Sapphira. So Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and the congregation of those who believe, so this is the church, were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Now, this is not socialism. This was not forced upon them. This was all voluntary, voluntary giving out of a heart of thanksgiving for what God had just done for them through Jesus Christ. Verse 33 says, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You see, it was all about him. An abundant grace was upon them all. See, they were giving with a heart of generosity because they were thankful that the Lord Jesus was alive and that they were alive in him. Do you see that? And it says the apostles with great power were giving testimony to this in their their preaching and their sermons and their teaching about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and in that, the abundant grace of God. God gives abundantly to us, so we are to give abundantly to others. Verse 34, for there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as had a need. See, again, this wasn't 
compulsory. It wasn't forced upon them. But because of their new life in Christ and what they had just witnessed and experienced, what they were being taught, they knew that they were new in Jesus Christ. They were so thankful. Many of them were willing to sell possessions and if they so inclined to give part or all of that to the church so that the needy among them would have what they needed. You know, once in a while I will promote what we call the fellowship fund and our deacons, uh, our deacons oversee that. And this is the fund that we ask that you consider to give to um, as the Lord leads you to. This is above and beyond our general giving to the church. But our fellowship fund is specifically to do just this, to help people in our congregation and sometimes even extended family members or people that we know about that have a need to bless them and to help them in time of financial need. If you know people in the church that are in that position, let them know that the church is willing to help as best we can. See, that's what was going on here. They had sort of this fellowship fund and the leaders were overseeing that and even as part of it, people would sell possessions and then bring the proceeds and give them to the leaders of the church to divvy up to the people that were in need. Now it says in verse 36, now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, this Barnabas, and who owned a tract of land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas was one of these people in the church who did just that. He was so moved by the graciousness and abundant grace of God that he did just that. He sold part of his property and uh, he uh, brought the money and gave it to the apostles and said, please bless others that are in need. Then Acts chapter 5 says, but... Now, whenever there's a but there, you got to be careful about what comes next, right? But I think we should keep reading. But a man named Ananias, with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, just like Barnabas did, and kept back some of the price for himself, and with his wife's full knowledge, so they did this together, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet, so that was what Barnabas was doing. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not under your control? See, he was saying, like, you didn't have to give. It was yours. You sold it. It was yours. Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard of it. You can imagine great fear. The young men got up and covered him, and after carrying him out, they buried him. The story continues about what happened to his wife. And see, so here is the, here's the point. What's happening here 
is the leaders of the church, and it says specifically Peter, calls him out. What was the sin? The sin was that he lied. The sin wasn't necessarily that he kept part of the money. It was his to give. He didn't have to give all of it. He didn't have to sell it and give all of it like Barnabas did, but it was a sin because it started in his heart, do you see? And so he brought it with unpure intentions. He did it in a way that was deceitful and deceptive, even though on the outside it looked like he was being righteous. And so what's the point of this story and for me sharing this with you as we bring this to a close in just a minute is that if you don't give to Trinity, you will be, no, I'm just joking. I mean, you can't pass that up, right? So, so of course, the pastor's vision is that everybody's just like, I got to give. Where's my money? See, we're told this story because God wants us to realize that giving and even more specifically being generous, it's a matter of the heart. And the heart's between you and God. God knows what you have. God knows what he has blessed you with, and God knows what you're doing with it. It's pretty simple. Most other people don't, unless they know you real well, and you're, you're willing to let them in on that, and that part of your life. But this really is between you and God. All we can do is look at his word and say he desires that his children would be generous, just like he is. And that generosity, that level of generosity and where that comes from, that's between you and the Lord, right? That's between you and the Lord. But obviously, being generous is an important part of being, follower, of being a follower of Jesus. So let's end with this. This will be up on the screen for you. The last passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And after I read this, we're going to go into a, a time of, around what we call the communion tables or the Lord's Supper as we conclude our worship gathering this morning to remember how generous God was to us in giving us his son. But before we do that, let me uh, read this to you. This is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's verses 6 through 15. It'll be up on the screen, or you can continue to look in your Bibles. Just notice some of the words that appear often in this passage. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, giving instruction to the church at Corinth in his second letter to them. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. See that? It's a heart issue. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. So not reluctantly holding back, but also not under compulsion because people guilt you into it. For God loves a cheerful giver. There it is. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You see the words that were used there? All things, all times, all sufficiency, all grace, abounding, bountifully, As it is written, 
He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Giving is about other people. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Paul was saying they were being generous, and he was thanking them for that. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity, there's that word again, of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God is a gift giver. We give gifts this time of year in expression of the greatest gift God ever gave us, and that is his son. So we are to be generous. We are to be generous, but generous with a heart of love. Let's conclude by thinking perhaps of the most famous passage in all of the New Testament, perhaps the whole Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his only son for us. Jesus is generous. He gave himself willingly. His followers are to be generous, just like him. And as we now take the bread and the cup together, we do this because Jesus commanded us to. On that night before he was betrayed, He taught us about what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, the breaking of bread. Through the Apostle Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians, we learn about that. Because Jesus gathered around his beloved ones on that night before he was to be betrayed and given on our behalf, he taught his disciples a new commandment, and that was to love one another. Because it all starts with a heart of love. And he told them that whenever they gathered together, they are to remember him and to remember that he gave. That God gave Jesus for them and for us, and that Jesus was about to voluntarily give himself for us. And so he says... Paul does, I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and we had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which I give for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So church now, in our concluding moments together, 
as you hear the music played, allow it to just maybe calm your hearts and to, um, to take your mind onto things of the Lord and just consider, just between you and him, consider your relationship with him now, your relationship with others, and where you stand with him. Because if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, then this time of communion is for you. If you have not yet put your trust and faith in believing in the Lord Jesus for your salvation, the forgiveness of your sin, now would be the time. The scripture says, for today is the day of salvation. And Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to him, no one comes to the Father except through him. So Jesus' claim is exclusive that the only way to be forgiven of sin, to be reconciled to God, is by believing in the Lord Jesus, that he is who he says he is, and that he did what he said he was going to do. So now we remember what he did on our behalf. So take a few moments to just be before the Lord. Consider your state of generosity and the condition of your heart. And then after a few moments of quiet reflection, as the music plays, I will lead us in the taking of the elements together. So let's look to the Lord.
on that night before he was betrayed. Jesus did take bread, but he gave thanks for it. So we should be thankful in what Jesus did for us. But then he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. And do this in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat together. Remembrance of the body of Jesus given to us. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, and he said these words. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So until he returns for us, let us drink together in remembrance of him. Church, let's stand together and close by singing this song about the generosity of God and that word we heard so often in our readings this morning, the gracious and generous grace of God. Let's sing this as our closing song together.
praise you, Lord. Yes, Father, thank you for your generous goodness and your amazing and abundant grace. It is your grace. And so may we be those who are generous givers because of your grace, that we would give graciously to others as you give to us. And Father, now, even as we remain to enjoy a meal together, to enjoy encouragement and continued fellowship, may we be willing to share stories of how good and gracious you have been to us. And most of all, Lord, may we remember Jesus, our Savior, and that greatest gift that you have ever given for you, God, are the greatest of all givers. We thank you, and we will thank you in that precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, joining us. We praise the Lord. Please stay for uh, just a meal and some continued time of fellowship. All right. Oh,
Good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for the doubter. The one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's 